It's time for the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade. We need some sort of theme song. Yeah. I could get the old rated RPG theme. You could play that. We need a new theme. And this is a new rated RPG. We need a new theme. Welcome, lizard folk and gnomes, bugbears, and bards. <laughs> to Rated RPG, the actual play show slash podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. All right, well, we'll pick up right where we left off. Over the past four days, the weather on the coastway has gradually worsened. Dark clouds release heavy rain until the road runs thick with mud, yet you trudge on, passing by friendly merchant caravans heading north. On the morning of the fifth day, the rain subsides, but the dark clouds remain. Ahead, you see a path branch from the wider road, heading to the sea. A raven perches solemnly on a leaning post, bearing two signs that point like arms towards the west. One says, the way of the lion. The other says, candle keep. You guys, of course, feel a sense of relief that you are finally getting close to candle keep. As you turn and start heading down that path, you only have to travel for a few more hours before you arrive in mid-afternoon. The afternoon sun shines through the clouds to illuminate the gray walls and pale spires of a time-worn fortress that stands majestically atop a rocky promontory overlooking the sea. The trail leads straight to it. And here I Show have it. an awesome picture of it, yes. Yeah, you guys see this massive uh, city perched atop a cliff overlooking the sea. It's possibly one of the more beautiful sights that you've seen. Unlike Baldur's Gate, which you many of you grew up in or spent a lot of time in, this place seems fairly pristine, and you kind of get a feeling of goodness sort of washing over you. As you guys ah. approach the gatehouse, you are greeted by three monks in purple robes, a human, a shield dwarf, and a sun elf. Around their necks hang holy symbols of Denaire, god of writing, whose symbol is a lit candle above an open eye. Welcome to Candlekeep, says the elf in common. A gift is required from those seeking admittance. You must donate a book or scroll that isn't already in the library's archives. Please present your gift for inspection. Heck yes, we have one of those that we found in a library. And of course, I remember the name of it. Give me one quick second. Okay. What was the name of that book, guys, we found? I don't know if I have it in my inventory. Journals? That weaklings journals? That weaklings journals. You're actually... We have... Oh damn it! Oh, because he wrote something. Ah. This is the this is the first puzzle of the uh, of the night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! All right, well we're warming up. We're warming up. Yeah. Um, shake out your okay. D D uh, fingers. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll give you guys a hit. You guys found a book, and you're right, Brad. It was actually on the uh, the Weakling, and it is the book is named after a Mel Gibson movie. That's the hint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great White Spark kind of remembers. Yeah. Broken Arrow? Broken Arrow. <laughs> Wait, <no. that> was... <laughs> you hand him uh... a broken arrow. 
We hand him the Mad Ma the Mad Max Chronicles. Oh my god. The we hand him the oh. oh my god, guys. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Oh no, no. It was his movie about Jesus. What was that? No, no. Uh, no. A of the Apocalyptica potentially could have been the name of it. Apocalyptica? Apocalypto, guys. You, yeah. you Apoca Apocalypti. We failed. We failed. <laughs> and we all die right away. All right, no, it, nobody gets inspiration, but eventually <laughs> one of you guys... Uh... <laughs> we fumble through our items. <laughs> yeah. All right, come on. I, I know it's in here somewhere. Come on. Uh... <laughs> you eventually pull out this book that you guys found off of one of the Manthampoors, the weakling, uh, as you call them. And it's this book of poetry, sort of like depressing, dark poetry called Apocalypto. Oh. And you hand it over. And as you do that, uh, you see the holy symbols on these three priests begin to glow as they smile and sort of flip through the pages. And they say, yes, this will do nicely. Uh, follow us. And they lead you past the gatehouse into Candlekeep. So this place is very, very large and as you guys are walking through the streets of Candlekeep, you see that the city has all of the amenities that you might be used to in Baldur's Gate. They have blacksmiths, they have traders, they have all sorts of entertainment. They have this really amazing looking uh, tavern called the Hearth. And of course they have the library structures and these towers and stuff. And there's, you actually see a huge amount of wizards and like sort of scholarly people moving around. Almost everybody is carrying around giant like armfuls of scrolls and books. You see familiars just constantly following people everywhere. It's kind of like that scene in Harry Potter when they went shopping. <laughs> you know? Oh, Diagon Alley? Yeah, sure. Sweet. We're at Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah. Look at all these nerds. We should push them around and knock their books out. <laughs> I go I go to Ollivander's wand shop immediately. Okay, um, you find whatever wands you want. Actually, this well, is no, where... the wands find you. Actually, that's not how it works, okay. Emery. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> but, but this is Dababi. This is where you went and you found your plate armor, Glubjag. You eventually find a uh, an enchantment shop where there are wizards that specialize in enchanting weapons. And anybody else who bought race, this is where you find your 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 goggles. Shiny um, goggles. Yeah, and Put after these guys, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so after spending a day kind of shopping and sort of getting to know Candlekeep, you guys eventually sort of end the the day at the hearth, the tavern, and you guys walk in and sort of like want to sit down at a table and rest your weary boots and and get some like hot meals inside of you since you've been traveling and eating rations for the last week. You walk into this place, and the pub has a low ceiling supported by massive wooden crossbeams and narrow shuttered windows. A large fire pit in the middle of the room is surrounded by a half dozen tables and matching benches. You guys notice, actually, the place is starting to get a little bit packed. When you first stopped by earlier in the afternoon, there was only maybe a dozen or so people in. There's about twice that now. But your eyes are drawn to one patron in particular— an ogre, like a literal ogre, not a half ogre, a straight up ogre, is sitting at a table by himself with just like a pile of books on the table. And he's currently reading a book, which is tiny 
in his hands, but he's he's hunched over, you know, really tall and like almost touching the ceiling, reading this little book. And you guys notice that he actually has a headband around his head, as well as some robes that seem like they were obviously custom made for someone of his bulk. What do you do? Uh, I go I go up to the ogre and say, hey, what you reading? The ogre stops reading for a moment and uh, regards you and shows you the book. It is called The Sum of Theology. And the ogre actually says, this is a, a very interesting book. It's got a lot of... Uh, a lot of topics I hadn't considered. Uh, very interesting theological points that uh, the author is making. Saint Vathira. Although uh, I do not like the tone she takes when she covers various, and he, he kind of like goes on and on and, and attempts to get in a theological debate with you, which you find very odd for an ogre. I just say, oh, um, that, that sounds good. <laughs> Have you, um, have you read anything by St. Vathira? No, I, uh, I'm not much of a reader. I, I was just trying to make small talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have succeeded admirably. My name is Little <laughs> He holds out his finger for you to shake. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Little One. Little One, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Bardrum. I'm... No. Did I just say my dog's name? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! What is going on? Are you? Uh, are you? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you infatuated? Is that happening here? <laughs> Brad hit the ale early. <laughs> I might have a crush on him. <laughs> You're the smartest, you're the smartest ogre I've ever seen. Mm. Mm, well, thank you. Uh, it is because of this. And he points to the headband wrapped around his head. And he says, I was not always this intelligent. And I was not always this articulate. But I obtained this headband by smashing its previous owner into a pulp. And then when I put this headband on, I didn't realize what it would do, and I immediately regretted my actions. And I have ever since been trying to figure out how I can make myself a better ogre, and, and perhaps atone for my many, many sins. Well, that kind of seems like a curse. A curse? Yes. Some say ignorance is bliss. That is a topic that is covered in this book. Uh, I'm going to walk over and say, hey, it's your boy, Race. By the way, I love what you're doing with the whole headband thing. Can I take a peek at that book? I, I'm trying to be a better person. I don't want to get too deep into my past, but I may or may have not have peed on a lot of corpses. If this book has helped change your life, can I just take a gander? Um, uh, wait, sorry. You, you talk so fast sometimes, Dion. Oh, sorry <laughs> what, are you, what are you asking uh, him to I'm wondering, the, we keep coming back to the book, so I'm just trying to take a peek at the book and oh, sure. see if there's something I can, yeah. Yeah, he hands the book over. He takes a moment to, like, note the page that he's on, and he hands the book over to you, and he says, mm. I can recommend a great number of books, and if you have any recommendations for me, I'm always looking to learn. 
Oh, for sure, man. We have this book of terrible, like, cure music, essentially, but we passed that to the guys when we first got here. Any book I find is going to you, Little John. Sorry, Little One, my bad. <laughs> little One, hmm. yes. You look like the <laughs> Little One that I crushed. I apologize if you knew oh. him. <laughs> Wait, did you know Chauncey the Biggin? Um, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> can't say I'm familiar. <laughs> but uh, a, a, a little a little tear sort of rolls down his eye when he when he sees you race. You guys get the feeling that he uh, killed a halfling for this headband. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, race. Did you, you know, know what, any? And did you know any halflings with headbands? You know what? Now that you mention it, there was this guy we used to call uh, Mace the Rooster, and he had this <laughs> headband he used to always wear. I asked the org. Can I just, can I look and see if there's, he used to stencil his name into the back of it. You mind if I climb up on your head and just take a peek? Um, sure, but. Just for uh, the dead homies. But do not, here, I'll just lower my head. And he kind of lowers it towards you and he's like, but do not take it off. If you do, I'm not sure what would oh, happen. No, me steal stuff? That doesn't sound like me. We're best friends. Uh, let me just see. Uh, uh. Damn, you killed my homie, bro. Oh, I thought we were gonna be friends, little John. But we can be friends. That was not. It was a different me. You see, uh, many theologians believe that uh, when a man changes his, and he goes on and on and on about how you yeah. can sort of your past self and your future selves are two different individuals. Trust me, I've done magic mushrooms too. I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. You know what? If you would like to make it up to me at some point, I'm a little one, like you said. I may need assistance that requires less of your brain and more of your brawn. Is there a way I could call upon you in a time of need? Uh, well, uh, if we become friends, then of course I will. I would do anything for my friends. Mm. I used to do anything for my man Rooster, but <laughs> R.I.P. It's it's at about this okay. time that you guys are interrupted by a very strange creature. I guess you guys have all joined Little One at his table, and you're interrupted by a tiny little golden elephant. Tiny as in, like, it's it's a small size, like a little bit larger than, like, your dog, Glubjag. And it just sort of, like, hops sort of, like, gleefully over, over to your guys' table and looks up and, and says with the voice of kind of like an, an elderly, kind, southern woman, says, Well, howdy, boys. My name is Lulu. What can I get for you? And a uh, little one looks down and says, Oh, hey, Lulu. My, I was, I was uh, running out of ale. I would love a, a refill. And she says, Well, certainly. How about you, boys? I would drink an ale, sir. Yes, a, a round of ale for the gang. He's paying, though, the big guy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, fill her up. I got drunk. Okay. Uh, can I get a, a Hellfire bomb chaser? <laughs> oh. Oh, you're a, you're a tough one, aren't you? Yes, I saw that. All right, I'll be right back. And she... Uh, she turns around. She actually has her trunk, and her trunk reaches out and grabs the the ale mug from little one, and she sort of like 
cutely sort of like saunters away towards the bar. So how 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 big was was it? She's like a little bit bigger than Bartram. Like a a golden elf, elephant? <laughs> yep. Like floating? That's <laughs> nah, just walking. That's weird. Just clip-clopping. That's cute. <laughs> you guys can make, I'd love to ride her. You guys can make religion checks real quick. Elephants don't have a boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh no, they got I mean you can clip clop without hooves, right? Yeah, they got like so. hoof like toes. You said wisdom? No. Uh religion, religion. checks. Religion, Religions. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my religion is so little. Let's see what it got me. You got the best though. Yeah. Oh dang, nineteen. Oh snap. Well, uh, I'm a holy man at heart. All right. Yeah, you actually know a little bit about this elephant. Let's see here. What do you know? <clears throat> okay. So this is, you recognize this as a celestial. It is a being from uh, one of the good aligned upper planes. You've never seen one of these before, but you've perhaps heard or read about them. This is a hollyphant. They look like miniature golden elephants. I forgot to mention it actually is kind of furry. So it's got like a like a mammothy sort of uh, look to it. And it's it does have wings as well that kind of resemble like an additional pair of ears like Dumbo might use. But these creatures are very good. They're lawful good. They're very friendly and they have some surprisingly deadly and powerful magical abilities, which of course they would only use for the purposes of good. And she's working as a barmaid? <laughs> yep, a barmaid and candle keep. I mean, it makes, if you're gonna have an animal serve you beer, I feel like an elephant's probably gonna be best suited for that. Yeah. Especially if they have yeah. wings. Better than ratatouille. <laughs> she comes back. And uh, on top of her back is the, like this tray, which is being expertly balanced with all these ale mugs. And she sort of like tosses them up onto the table. And then you notice that the these ale mugs are all empty. They don't actually have any ale in them. And you're about to say something when all of a sudden she flutters up, she flies up and then just squirts ale out of her trunk into the different ale mugs, <laughs> filling oh them God. up completely. And she says, here Thank you go, so boys. Mm, nose beer. That's my favorite. <laughs> oh, it's on the house, boys. You guys are you guys are brand new here to Candle Keep. And I, I have to say I, I like the look of you. I think I think we're gonna be great friends. And she smiles and sort of winks at you and then flutters away. Mm. Oh, I think a, that elephant was I think that elephant was flirting with us, boys. Does anyone know she's single? I don't discriminate. <laughs> I mean, an elephant that can that has endless beer that comes out of its nose. I think I found my future wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys enjoy the rest of your evening drinking and eating and talking with some of the locals. And you end up crashing at little one's place. You guys play some board games through the night and he is incredibly good at board games. In fact, Aaron, to Bobby, you feel like his wit matches or possibly even exceeds your own. Uh, ah. <laughs> incredibly smart. Uh-oh. Interesting. I say, you know, as a horizon walker, uh, I think we might be going to hell. And uh, do you know I get books on surviving hell? 
Uh, well, actually, a little one points you. He says, well, you know, if, you, if you're going to go to hell, um, uh, perhaps the best person to ask would be Silvira Savikas. And uh, recognize that as the person you're supposed to meet. And he actually tells you exactly which tower she spends most of her time in. And you guys sort of vow that you're going to not get drunk tomorrow and instead go and talk to her. So tomorrow rolls around and you guys wake up and have your breakfast and you sort of take care of all of your affairs that you have. You feed Bertram, of course. And we have time for a quick board game in the morning. You have a quick board game in the morning? What, <laughs> what game? Um, liar's Dice. <laughs> Play some Liar's Dice. And then you go towards the Tower of Silvira Savikas. The walls of this circular tower chamber are punctuated by arched windows that are currently shuttered. Bookcases filled with eldritch volumes stand between the windows, while tables are crowded with <clears throat> specimen jars, alchemical equipment, and other clutter. Engraved into the floor of the chamber is a large nine-pointed star. A middle-aged tiefling dressed in wizardly robes stands by one of the windows, caught in a fugue of intense contemplation. Perched on the corner of a table nearby is a spindly little demon with warty green skin, buggy eyes, thin black horns, and a whip-like tail. I can't tell you how pleased I am to see you, says the tiefling. What have you brought me? This is Silvira Savikas, by the way. Miss mm. Savikas, we bring you tales of murder and destruction me and the gang, Gorgeous Phoenix Brigade, by the way, keep the name, it's going to be big in these streets. We need to enter hell, and we heard you're the woman to help us get into hell and not get murdered immediately. Ah. Tiefling, sorry. Interesting. Get into hell. And uh, why might you need to do that? Hell of a question. It is. <laughs> um... <laughs> If anyone else remembers the name or wants to throw in help out for sure, basically we're trying to stop a large plot uh, by demons. Uh, we already lost one major city, and if we don't somehow stop this plot, we can lose more cities, including the great land that you exist in. We're trying to nip this in the bud by going directly to the source, essentially. Oh, that's that's the that's the main reason. That, but uh, honestly, like what we're really trying to do is just find this guy who can sign his house uh, or sign a house over to us. But yeah, he's in hell, and so we have to go there to get him to uh, you know sign the house over. So. It's kind of a real estate deal we're looking at. <laughs> we have to go to hell to uh, make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Getting a Major new house. <laughs> getting a new house house really is uh, just a trip to hell, isn't it? Yeah. In this world, it's it's difficult. Um, <laughs> we heard you might like our puzzle box. Ah, yes. Yes! There we you go. Puzzle box. <laughs> <laughs> so, Savira so knows what you're talking about. She figures out that you're talking about El Terrell, the city that disappeared. And when you mention the puzzle box and tell her that you got this puzzle box from Thavius Krieg, or not from him, but he, he was involved in it. And you, you just kind of tell her the whole thing with the Van Thampours and, and everything that you've learned. She says, I've been suspicious of the high overseer of El Terrell for a long time, but no one wanted to hear my concerns. 
because Thavius Krieg was widely regarded as a hero who saved his city from an undead scourge, giving rise to the holy nation of Eltergard. Hailed as a savior, Thavius made all citizens of Elturel swear an oath called the Creed Resolute, which binds them to defend the nation of Eltergard. I met him years ago, and my instincts told me he was a charlatan. Afterward, I grew to suspect that he had cut a deal with one or more powerful devils, using the Creed Resolute to bind all Elturel to his dark deal. I wish to prove my theory, and I believe the evidence is locked inside this puzzle box. So she takes the puzzle box if you offer it to her. And she's, sure. she says something in abyssal. Anybody speak that language? Abyssal? Yes. So she says, fetch the... And then she says a word that you don't quite understand in in abyssal. It's like, it's like a... Uh, think of like a chemistry, like a... Like a a chemical word that you've never heard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just some really fancy name. And the little demon that was perched on one of the tables nearby sort of skitters away into a shelf that is just full of all sorts of potions and vials and things like that. And this demon grabs one, a flask full of dark liquid, and hands it to Sylvira. She takes it and pours a small amount of this liquid onto the puzzle box, which has a maze-like sort of uh, series of lines and like indents all over it. And you can see that apparently the way that you open this box is to put some of this liquid inside and then sort of move the box around so that the liquid goes through the maze of lines all over the box. And apparently if you do that in the correct sequence, it unlocks the box and you sort of see her spinning this thing around telekinetically because she uses mage hand to do it, obviously, because she's a badass like that. But after a few moments, the the box's horn inlays pop loose and it breaks apart. And Oh shit, we just summoned Pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> so when this puzzle box is opened, you see that inside the box are a stack of nine chain-linked plates, each three inches on a side, cast of dark iron, and stamped with infernal runes. She holds them up and uh, offers them to anyone. anyone. I'll take them. I know the infernal. Wait, I don't know infernal. Everyone Brad knows that. infernal. I know infernal. Okay. Brad takes them. All right, so Brad, you take them, and you, you can read them. Do you wish to read them out loud? Sure. Okay. I'll translate for you. So as, as Glovejug looks over these, he realizes that it's a contract and he begins to read them out loud once he figures out which order these weird chained iron things are supposed to be read in. But this is what it says. Be it known to all that I, Thavius Krieg, High Overseer of Elturel, have sworn to my master, Zariel, Lord of Avernus, to keep the agreements contained in this oath. I hereby submit to Zariel in all matters and for all time. I will place her above all creatures, living and dead. I will obey her all my days and beyond with fear and servility. I recognize the dispensation of the device called the Solar Insidiator, hereafter called the Companion. 
in my capacity as High Overseer of El Terrell and its vassals' territories, I acknowledge that all lands falling under the light of the Companion are forfeit to Zariel. All persons bound by oath to defend El Terrell are also considered forfeit. I further recognize that this dispensation will last 50 years, after which the Companion will return whence it came, taking El Terrell and its oath-bound defenders with it, if that is Zariel's wish. All this is my everlasting pledge. So all we have to do is wait 50 years, and then we're off the hook. <laughs> no, it seems like the 50 <laughs> years have passed, which is why El Terrell and the Companion, he, he keeps referencing this thing called the Companion, which is this giant glowing ball of light that was yeah. above the city of El Terrell that kept undead and demons at bay. But that and the city vanished. And apparently this is why, because the 50 years passed. Aha. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Sounded like it was kind of a real estate situation, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All comes back to real estate. <laughs> a lot of real estate problems in this world. <laughs> so Rhea has been with you guys. And upon hearing this, even though she knew in her heart of hearts that Fabius Krieg was uh, corrupt Upon hearing this insane deal that she made, or that he made with uh, Zariel, Rhea just collapses to the floor and weeps. She... I, uh, Go ahead. Oh. Sorry. I, I want to pull the Torm medallion out of my cloaks. I don't think she's seen it yet, that I have it. And I, I pull it out, and I put a hand on her shoulder. Kozlo puts a hand on her shoulder and says, This belonged to Thabius Krieg. He was evil, and now it belongs to us, and we are good. And we will do as Torm would do, and we will defend good from evil. Don't cry. It's our fight now. I, lo I look over at the guys and I say, I, I apologize for uh, her. She's been a little weepy lately. <laughs> she can't handle the pain in the mouth of evil. <laughs> She, she seems comforted by you, Coslo, and she wipes a tear away and, and she says, um, I was also bound to the city by this same creed resolute, which means that my soul is apparently owed to Zariel, but I will not let her take it without a fight. And I welcome any aid that you can give me in this. Well, of course, uh, we will do our best to not let you die like old Clem. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want us to, like, save your soul? Well, I suppose we could probably do that. <laughs> if, it's, yeah. if it's convenient, you know, on the way down to get that deal signed. Yeah, well, you're off buying a house. Could you also, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> save my soul real quick? <laughs> and the souls the of everyone way, else? You know, we might as well. <laughs> my job is to protect us from... The out of plane, so you and my ally, I should help. She yeah, nods I at you, Club Jack, and actually she shakes your hand if you are willing. Yeah, I'll shake. I'll shake her hand from ten feet away. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, so Silvira says that this confirms the suspicions that she had that Elturel has been brought into Avernus. And that the only way to possibly save it is to go into Avernus and see if you can find 
older Raven Guard or anyone else down there that might be able to help in some way. She actually doesn't really have any idea <laughs> once you get there what you could do to save Elturel, but that's the only way to possibly do it. And that's the only way to save older Raven Guard, who, you know, is the guy who's going to give you your house. So she offers to help you get there at the very least. And she even offers a map of Avernus, which is the only map that she knows of that exists. Uh, Maybe let's make a copy of it first. So in case we lose it, it's the only one, you know? <laughs> yes. She, she, she smiles when you say that. And she says, well, here's the thing. The person who made this map went mad making it. So I don't really, I don't really in, in a feel like making a copy of it, so to speak. Um, but well, you probably wouldn't go mad if you're just making a copy of it. You'd probably just get a little like upset for a while. <laughs> well, feel free to make a copy of it yourself. But <laughs> here you go. Chance uh, the map. Charcoal. <laughs> just a charcoal rubbing. But she also says, you know. If you're going to go into Avernus, I think it would be prudent of you to have a guide. And there is someone who I believe you have met who would probably be the best guide. Anybody, any guesses? Any guesses? Is he that big with the headband? No, kind of small, actually. Well, uh, like an elephant? Yes. They hold a lot of beer in their face. She, she can hold the beer much, elephant. much beer in her face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, she casts a spell, which some of you guys recognize as being a sending spell, one that allows you to communicate with someone over vast distances. And uh, she, after a few minutes, Lulu, the little hollyfant, golden elephant, marches into the room and says, Oh, hello. How can I help y'all? <laughs> oh my god, we're going to hell with the magical beer elephant that flies. <laughs> <laughs> yup. And so Viro says that Lulu actually has been to Avernus, and it is quite a story. And Lulu looks up at you guys, and she says, Well, I was in hell with that angel Zariel when she assembled her army of hell riders to attack Avernus. Through the gates we went, tearing through devils like a song through air. Victory was within our grasp until some of the Hell Riders betrayed us. They retreated through the gate and sealed it behind them. Before she was captured, Zariel told me to hide her sword so that it wouldn't fall into evil hands. Someone helped me hide the sword, but I don't remember who. We found a place to hide it, but I don't remember where. I escaped Avernus, but I don't remember how. Most of my memory's gone, and I don't remember why. <laughs> well, the whole thing about elephants never forget unless they have a beer inside of their head. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I didn't even think about that elephants never forget thing in relation to her. Until inspiration? Now. That's great. Yeah, sure. You get inspiration, Coslo. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> All Pretty right. Pretty soon, hell, hell yeah is going to take on a whole different meaning. 
Oh, shit. Coslo, you noticed yeah. something that nobody else really notices, but Sylvira is looking occasionally at the shield that the Dababi, the Enjoyable, is wearing. Yeah. And you just kind of see her, like, glance at it a few times and, like, sort of have, like, a quizzical look on her face, but she doesn't okay. seem to be really saying too much about it. It's up to you if you want to act on that or not. Who noticed it? Oh, Coslo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say, I could not help but notice you were looking at the, the Bobby's shield. Uh, he's holding it up now for you to get a better look. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she looks at the shield and she says, uh, "This, um, <clears throat> this is a quite an interesting shield that you have here, to Bobby. Where did you get this?" Oh, the Bobby had to leave to probably... Oh, he's back. Never mind. <laughs> well, to Bobby, where did you get that shield from? She asks you. Um, uh, we, uh, we found this, uh, down in, uh, the, um, sewers oh. of... Uh... Oh, shit. Where were we? B B under the Vanthampur Villa? Yeah, under the Vanthampur Villa we found it, and it was in, like, it, like talks and stuff. Oh. She kind of looks it over carefully, and she says, so this, this is how they were planning on dooming Baldur's Gate. Yeah, um, it seemed like some demons were very interested in uh, taking this from us. Luckily, we hmm. prevented that. Why do you think they were after it? It is a good thing that you prevented demons or anyone else from getting their hands on this shield. This shield is a symbol of good's triumph over evil. Gazing at such beauty, one can easily overlook the terrible force bound within it. Gargoth is, I believe, its name, though it calls itself the Hidden Lord. It was a pit fiend sent by Asmodeus to corrupt mortals on the material plane, and there it amassed such a following as to rival that of gods. In that way, Gargoth became a sort of demigod, and having worshippers increased its power exponentially. My, how the mighty have fallen. <sighs> Anyways, this shield that you're wearing has the power to corrupt everything around it. The Hewn family of Baldur's Gate has kept it for years now. Doubtless they'll want it back, and doubtless they were the ones who attacked you and tried to get it back. But this shield should not be taken to any place where thousands of mortals reside. It needs to be locked away in an extra-dimensional space, away from corruptible souls. So, like, that's a long-term goal, right? <laughs> yes, well, I don't have any plans for the shield currently. I'm just, I'm just telling you what it is. But we'll be okay taking it to hell, hopefully. <laughs> the shield uh, speaks to you, Dababi, telepathically, and says, Yes, take me to the Nine Hells. And I'll swear to serve you faithfully as both a guide and an advisor. Please. I, I heard you used to be a pit fiend. <laughs> well, yes. But that does not mean that I am not a being of my word. Ask Sylvira, pit fiends, we are bound by our oaths and we are bound by our promises. And your ultimate goal here is? To free myself. Like, so you'd like to go to hell then, because maybe you could free yourself down there? Yes. And right. you can assist me. 
So Vira, the, uh, the shield says that it's a good, it's a good boy. <laughs> she uh, smiles and says, indeed. Excellent. All right. All right. That's good enough for me. So it seems like the whole crew is ready. You got the Golden Phoenix Brigade and you got Lulu and you got the shield of the Hidden Lord. You guys ready to go to hell? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Rhea would go with you guys, but I don't feel like playing her anymore. So wow, she is going to essentially just, you know, shake all of your hands. She really didn't like the whole peeing thing that you guys were all about. Hmm. Well, um, it's not for everybody, so it's understandable. Eh. No, look, Plus, I didn't like it either. I still am a little bit iffy on it because Torb would do it. But I've been playing this as a long game. I was hoping to you know, form a relation. Now she's leaving. This is not good for Cosmo. Hey, look, look, we've got this magical flying elephant. Why do you need her anymore? She I'm misses most of the time elephant. anyway. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, okay, but... well, we'll, I'll give her my number and maybe later we'll catch up. <laughs> I think uh, she knows where you're going to live eventually. Yeah, right. You find me at my new joint. We'll hook up. She smiles and says that the past week that she spent with you guys has been some of the best time she's ever had. And those of you with good insight can detect that she might be lying a little bit or exaggerating <laughs> a little bit. I lean over to her and I wink and I say, just remember, I vomit. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Say, so, uh, do you have any of our stuff that you need to give us back? I I don't think like she had money? any of your stuff. <laughs> yeah, do you have any money? I have my own money, but if you recall, I I chose to abstain from taking any of the cut of the loot. Oh yeah, well that's fair. That's fair. We're, <laughs> we're, we're I mean we're gonna go try to save your soul, by the way. So yes, <laughs> you know we'd appreciate. Maybe you could go like get a job while we're gone and get ready to help fix us fix the house up. Yes, I will get a job. I will do what I can to make sure. How about this? I will be in constant contact with the bureaucrats in charge of making sure that the Van Thampur Villa remains like in your name, essentially. Yes. Because you guys are going to be gone. You know, you're going to want somebody yeah. staying back. Thank you. Yeah. Protector. Protector of our base. Exactly. She'll clean it up. I, She'll do all sorts of stuff. What? I sing her the Jewel song. I slap him. <laughs> all right. Well, once you guys are ready to go, Silvira Savikas gathers you all up. You guys have the map. You guys have Lulu. You guys have your shield. And she says, seek out Alder Ravenguard. Although you guys already were going to do that because he has your house. And good luck to you. You're going to need it. And she casts a spell. And as she does, the magical energies swirl around you guys. You guys see the material realm around you begin to melt away. And your vision is completely obscured with these glowing runes of magic. And suddenly, you are no longer standing in the tower in Candlekeep. Now you are standing in a much, much worse place. No, oh, geez, then I forgot to turn off the coffee maker. <laughs> I think we're in New Jersey, guys. It looks terrible here. <laughs> All right, well, 
you be the judge of where you are once I describe it. Here we go. Let's see if this reminds you of any place in real life. A hot, stinging air assaults your senses. The city street in which you stand is lined with buildings that are crumbling, if not already collapsed. Any Anywhere? Just remind anybody? Um, St. Petersburg, Florida. Gary, Indiana, but hotter. <laughs> the ground <Chernobyl>. shudders. <laughs> the ground shudders beneath your feet. In the red, smoky sky, a 400-foot diameter sphere of darkness discharges strokes of bluish-white lightning that strike the city at irregular intervals. Perched atop a distant bluff overlooking the rest of the city is a crumbled fortress. Lulu gazes up at the black orb nervously and says, Oh, dear. Well, you, you do remember that? Um, oh, oh, vaguely. Oh, yes. I, I'm beginning to remember some things. Why don't you roll for me, Aaron? A D six. Rolling, rolling. Wait, where is that? Oh yeah, it's over here. Roll it. Ah. Four. All right, what'd you get? A three. Four. 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 A four. Oh, I'm remembering something. She kind of like looks around and she's like, I don't, I don't remember this place, but I remember that last time I was here. I wandered around for a long time, and then I, I hid in a place called the Wandering Emporium. I met a friend there named Mahadi. Oh, maybe he can help us on our quest. I see Jason writing it down. Good lad. Industrious. <laughs> All right, Ma let's go talk to Mahadi at, the, at Mr. Magorium's Wander Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well so you guys are standing basically in this crumbling city with a dark red sky uh, above your head and you hear some strange sounds actually you hear what sounds like a battle taking place just kind of like in the far off distance and it doesn't just sound like a battle. It sounds like like a war. It sounds like this insanely huge battle that is occurring. And as you look around in the sky, you see flocks of bat-like wings flying around in the sky. And, of course, you see the black void way up in the sky above your heads, kind of like a black hole that's shooting bolts of lightning at, like, random intervals. And you actually see one of the bolts strike a nearby building which causes debris and rocks to sort of fly off of it. Luckily, nowhere near you, but uh, it is a dangerous place. What do you As guys do? Right. Parker, do I know anything else about this place? Um, make a religion check. Let's see if you know anything about this place. Too bad my religion's so low. Uh, I'll, I'll do one just because. Want me to do it? Why? My religion is two. Why is it that high still? Whatever. I got a 17. I didn't. What'd you roll on your religion check? Dion got a 17. 17, okay. I got a, uh, Coslo got a 14. Okay. So we have a 17 for a religion check. And then we're taking a look at uh, Horizon Walkers. See if you have anything fancy going on here. Okay, well, you know, just 
just for now, I'll go ahead and give you advantage on this check. All right, so Dion, so you want to know things about Avernus. And uh, perhaps during your day at Candlekeep, you did a little bit of research about what it's like being in hell. And you learned some really sort of unfortunate things about what it's like being in hell. Wall-to-wall -wall traffic. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so you learned that occasionally in Avernus, meteors will streak out of the sky and just strike people that are walking around. Yeah. Like as a, as a feature or is it a bug? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, right. Ambient light continually swells up from just below the horizon as though lit by nine setting suns, yet no actual celestial bodies fill the sky. No sun, moons, or stars. The constant twilight then makes it difficult for anyone in Avernus to track the passage of time. The atmosphere reeks of brimstone and burning tar. Hot gusts of wind shriek across the hellscape to scour the lands below. Sometimes these winds can swirl into immense sandstorms, which can rip flesh from bone and plunge everything into darkness. You've read that there are biting flies, hell wasps, and blood-sucking sturges that patrol the air, hunting for any source of blood to feed on. Swarms of them can grow so large that they blacken the sky and deafen the ears with the sound of their wings. There's also tons of bone fields, quicksand, bubbling tar pits, lakes of lava, canyons full of wailing souls, salt flats made from the tears of the damned, and all sorts of other horrible things. Well, that's really nothing. I mean, we've lived through 2020. <laughs> <laughs> also, it sounds just like Florida, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah New Jersey wasn't too far off. <laughs> but yeah, you guys are basically standing in this town square. Anybody have any idea what you want to do? I'm going to hold the Torm holy symbol, and I'm going to ask Torm, uh, any suggestions, big guy? You get no response. Okay. Uh, this doesn't work here. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> can I can I make a percept? Well, my perception, my my passive is twenty one. So, is there anything that I notice that stands out as something that is probably not standing out to everybody else? Um. Yeah. Let's take a look here. See if there's anything going on that you notice. I know we can go and see Mahadi at the Wandering yeah. Emporium. My body. Your Mahati's body. <laughs> you, you take a moment to take in your surroundings. You notice some things that perhaps the other folks didn't notice. There are these gigantic, how do you describe them? Okay, so look at the map, actually. Sure. You see on the edges of the city, there are what appear to be like flaming spikes that are sticking up with chains attached to them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as you look around, you notice one of these towering spikes that is apparently like floating in the sky. And there is a just utterly massive dark iron chain that is attached from that spike going down to another spike that appears to be nailed into the city itself. And as you look around, you notice that there are several of these massive chains that appear to be sort of like securing this city into wherever it, it is. 
And as you're trying to figure out what the hell any of this means, you actually stumble across a fissure in the ground. And you take a moment to like look down into the fissure and mm -hmm. you realize that you're not looking into just like a hole in the ground. What you're looking at is a crack in the whole city. And after about, I would say like 50 feet of just earth, it actually opens up to just nothingness. And if you were to fall into this crack, you would pass through, you know, the earth, like 50 feet of earth, and then you would fall for perhaps hundreds and hundreds of feet before actually touching the ground below. And you realize that this whole city is essentially floating up in the sky above Avernus. Hmm. Can we tell what's down there? Well, you can kind of hear the sounds of like an, in an intense battle. And as you peer down the crack, you can see movements of like thousands or perhaps millions of small figures engaged in some sort of massive battle beneath you. Hmm. Well, I don't think we want to go down there quite yet, but I explained to the other, the others, what I, what I'm seeing. I asked Lulu, what do you think? Where should we go? Should we go talk to your friend Mahati? Oh, uh, well, I, I don't know where he is. I remember I wandered around for a really, really long time, but I, I, I think Mahadi was a nice fella. So if we do run into him, I would like to say hi. Oh, he's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, but, thank but, you so much for coming along. What I, we do without you? I remember Silvira said that you should find this... Um, what was his name? Alder Ravenguard? Yeah, Alder Ravenguard. I, I looked around pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's the, whole, that's the whole point. That's why we're here. Yeah, okay, let's start looking for Alder Ravenguard then. You've been a big help. If I need a, ba a beer, I'll let you know. I, I just remembered that I can cast light. And she reaches out her trunk and, and sort of touches. By the way, did Bartram come with? Uh... Mm, that's a good question. Uh... uh, uh, uh I think I killed him up. Okay, all right. Back at the home, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, she reaches up and, and, and Coslo touches your staff, and oh. it, it just light sort of emanates from it. And she's like, there you go. Was that helpful? I don't know. I don't think it was, but I guess that's, that's what I get for asking you. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep on going and see what happens yeah. to us. Okay. Is there a hell tavern? <laughs> well, you guys, you guys start wandering around. So this place was a real city in the real world. And so it obviously had taverns. And so you guys start wandering around, sort of looking for any sort of signs of life or taverns or, or anything like that. Yeah, um, like, does it seem like people still live in the city and do normal things? I mean, you don't see anyone on the street from where you're at. And a lot of the buildings are falling apart or rubble. But, you know, it is a large city, so there could be people, you know, hiding out. And you begin to sort of, like, walk around looking for any signs of life. And eventually, after just a few minutes of walking, around the corner of a still-standing structure runs a woman with two toddlers, one on each arm. In her wake amble three infernal monsters with glaives and snake-like beards. The fiends are laughing darkly. What do you do? Let's kill them. Um, yeah, yeah. I say, hey, yo, bitches, because there's three of them. 
All right. So you guys I need are gonna... you to back off the lady with the babies. <laughs> you guys are going to intervene, in other words. Yeah, okay. intervene. All right. Yes, Let's intervene, bitches. Kick hell's ass. All right, let's move you guys into the battle map. Oh, here it comes. Oh, snap. Oh, snap battle map. <laughs> You're going to be on the new mixtape, man. <laughs> All right. So no Bartram, so I can go and delete him. Damn it. Now I'm never going to get to kill him. You understand that? You realize this? I'm never going to get to kill him. Ray is going to take care of him. She'll um, be too sad and depressed. She won't, she won't, she'll forget to feed him. He's going to feed him dark chocolate covered chicken bones. It'll be the end of him. <laughs> I think, I think Globjeg instinctually knew that Emery would kill him down here. <laughs> All right, gang. So this commoner here, this token right here, this represents the lady and her two little toddlers. Then these guys over here, these are the fiends that are chuckling darkly as they chase her with their glaives and their snake-like beards. Where, um, where's Lulu? Oh, yeah, 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 Lulu. Great, Hollyfant, forgot her. Here she comes. Bam. <laughs> Adorable. All right, Groovy. Everybody roll initiative! And that is the end of episode 29 of Rated RPG, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. And that is the final podcast episode of 2020. In the new year, we'll bring you more. Episode 30 coming in 2021. Uh, many thanks to our episode editor, Jesse Glasner, for making it all come together so nicely. Ending the podcast on an initiative roll just feels perfect, kind of. Uh, we're working on scheduling our next live stream. It's likely going to be late January. I think we have four more, maybe three more episodes of the podcast left. Uh, before we catch up to the live stream, so that would be good. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, and you'll always have episodes first when they uh, drop on uh, Podbean. They also go up on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and uh, elsewhere, so check that out. Just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The address to, uh, to support us on Patreon, if you want to send a few bucks our way uh, every month, you can do that and become a patron at patreon.com slash ratedrpg. On behalf of everyone at the gaming table and Courtney Collins, who uh, occasionally provides us with introductions, and uh, Brandon Jensen, who has provided music for the podcast, and Emery and Dion and Brad and Aaron and me, I'm Jason, thank you for listening to the Rated RPG podcast. And thank you for being a friend. A bum 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 slaying orcs and goblins. Bow 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 bow.